0: Welcome to the River Bluff Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon from lead pastor Joe Still. And for more information about us, please visit riverbluff.org. Well, Happy New Year. Year. Yeah, how are we? Good. I'm glad. Good to see you. Good to see you. Each and every one of you, I hope. uh, You are anticipating the Lord doing some really cool things in 2022, uh, even as we're facing all kinds of challenges still. Uh, We continue to do that. Uh, By the way, um, you know, after Thanksgiving, we do this thing called decking the halls. Well, today we're going to wreck the halls. Um, right, no, no, we're not going to do that. Right after the service, though, we are going to kind of take things down and put things up. And if you can hang out for a little bit to help with that, man, that would be appreciated greatly. Um, it, it just really would. You know, one of the things that I I regularly pray for, uh, for, for you uh, and everyone that's a part of our River family is, is that you would uh, experience new blessings from the Lord or that you would experience in a more powerful way the blessings that he has already given you, that they would kind of be refreshed in your life, those new mercies, that you would experience those uh, as well. And, but here, here's the truth. If you have Jesus, and God never provides you with another blessing Until he takes you home, which will be one of the greatest blessings if you're in Christ. If he never provides you with another blessing, you are blessed. You are already fully blessed in in Jesus because you have the blessing of eternal life. It's been settled and sealed in the Holy Spirit. And that really is so much of the message of Christmas, the message of the cross, is that Jesus has already shown himself all in for you. He's completely in for you. He gave everything for you. And so today, as a way of kind of stepping into 2022, I I thought we would consider what it would look like for us to be more all in for Jesus in this coming year. What would that look like? for? Because all of us could be more all in than we are. There are things that we could change about our lives, um, and I thought, I got to thinking a little bit about what's going on uh, around the world um, this coming week. Uh, millions, millions literally of Christians all around the world will celebrate uh, this coming week, this Thursday is, in fact, uh, Epiphany Day. Or Three Kings Day. Now, that's not something the Western church uh, does very much. Um, but it's something m- much of the, the global church celebrates. And it's a celebration of the day where, uh, for the very first time, Gentiles uh, had Christ revealed to them. When the kings came and, and, and worshipped, uh, those magi, those wise men came and, and worshipped on, on that day, the, the Christ child. And it was this great epiphany. Uh, to the Gentile world. And so I, I thought that we would look at the lives of, of, of those men, what, what little we do know about them, because I believe uh, they could demonstrate for us a little bit more of what it could look like for our lives to be all in, in 2022. So if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go to Matthew chapter 2. We're still kind of camped out in the Christmas story a little bit. While you're on your way there, I want to share with you something I read again this year. I've I've, I've read it before. I've shared it before. This year, there was a little added twist that I had not read before. Um, But this this is entitled, uh, what would it have looked like if the wise men would have been women? Okay. Here's the first thing that would have been different. They would have asked for directions much earlier. They would have arrived on time for the birth and helped deliver the baby. They would have cleaned the stables, made a casserole, and brought more practical gifts like a Snuggie. Okay, so that, that, that I've shared before, I think, even here. Um, but, it, you know, it's, it's fun. But this article added something that I had never read before. And I share it with you. And this is, what if the wise men were Southern? What if they were Southerners, okay? And what would the ride home have been like? You might have heard something like this. Well, bless her heart, did you see those sandals Mary was wearing with that gown? You know that baby doesn't look anything like Joseph, bless their hearts. Could you believe all those disgusting animals right there in the delivery room? Bless their hearts. Oh, bless their hearts, I heard Joseph's out of work again. My favorite, oh my, that donkey they've been riding on sure has seen better days, bless their hearts. Because every Southerner knows that if you end a hurtful cutting remark would bless your heart, it transforms it into a great kindness of blessing. Now that's not true. It's not true. There's no truth in that. It still hurts, Okay. All right, um, Matthew 2. If you've got your Bibles there, let's, let's begin reading together um, this great story uh, in, according to Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw... And being warned in a dream not to return to hear it, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. Now, again, the question that I want us to kind of ask today is what would it look like for us to, to be all in for Jesus in, in, in new ways? And to discern that a little more fully, I want us to, to follow, if you would, follow these wise men as they follow Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, instructed Christians in that church to follow his example as he followed the example uh, of Christ. And so what Paul is saying is we can, we can look to other brothers and sisters, uh, those who have had different experiences than, than we have. And, and that would have been true for the wise men, for, for, for the magi. They, you know, they would have been thought of uh, by the religious leaders of that day as probably less than. Uh, they were pagan Gentiles, even though they were wise in their trade. Um, they, they may not have gotten some things right, but they got following Jesus right. They got following Jesus uh, correct. And so I want us to, to look at some of the ways they, they were all in for Jesus that we might build part of our 2022 on. So the first thing that I notice is this. They went all in seeking Jesus. They went all in in their seeking of Jesus. Look back, if you would, at verses 1 and 2. It said, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, his history, historians tell us a great deal about these men. Uh, what their lives would have been like not these specific men but just in in general the the magi of that day those wise men according to the ancient Greek historian Herodotus they they most likely came from what we know as ancient media ancient ancient Persia they they would have been of a priestly caste uh, of people who had actually at one time these Medes had tried to overthrow the Persians but were unsuccessful but eventually they rose back to ranks of advisors to the king. They were were known for their wisdom. They were skilled in things like philosophy and science. And so oftentimes the kings of uh, the Persian empire, the kings of the Babylonian empire, um, they would kind of hire these guys to be their counselors, uh, if you would. And one of the things we know about them historically is most of them, uh, the religion that they were engaged with was Zoroastrianism. Which interestingly is a is a bit of a monotheistic religion, um, but the god that they worshipped was uh, Ahura Mazda. Now that was before the whole car company thing. Okay, so uh, I don't know whether the car was named after that dude or not, but anyway, um, he was kind of like a god of fire, or god of god of uh, storm, god of god of wrath, kind of. And so that was that was kind of their religion. Religious background. So um, these wise men also, we know, appear in a very prominent place in the Old Testament. Um, the, these wise men, these magi, uh, show up in the, the writings of the prophet Daniel. Uh, some of you know that story, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. He, ha- he had hired wise men. He had magi uh, as his counselors in his court. They were some of the highest ranking officials in the Babylonian kingdom. And you may recall that Daniel ended up having to save their lives because they could not interpret a dream that the, the king wanted interpreted. And uh, they were unable, and they, basically Nebuchadnezzar says, I'm going to put you all to death if you don't figure this out. And so Daniel, uh, by the grace of God, by the power of God, is able to interpret the dream, and he saves their bacon, basically. And they, um, uh, he is promoted to kind of like the, the chief of all of the magi, of all of all the wise men. And that's important, to, to, I think, for us to grab hold of. Um, Remember also, the Jews had been brought into captivity with Daniel. They would have brought their Old Testament writings with them, and, and these men most likely would have had access to much of the Old Testament writings that they would have had in that day. And so when they come into Jerusalem and they ask this poignant question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews, we know that... The only way that these people from Persia could have even conceived of something like that was the connection they had to some of Daniel's prophetic writings, some of the writings from from the Old Testament. Daniel, uh, if you go to Daniel chapter 9 or Daniel chapter 12 or even uh, the dream that he interpreted in Daniel chapter 2, there were prophetic words about a king, a ruler who would one day be born um, in the city of David, a, a, a ruler who would rule over the nation of Israel um, and eventually be ruler of the entire world. And so they would have had some access to that, but they, there were other details that they didn't have. But they got this right seeking Jesus, what, what information they had. They, they probably would have had access to passages like Numbers 24. Um, it's not going to come up on the screen, but in Numbers 24, we read, a star will come from Jacob and a ruler from Israel. Uh, some of you will remember, we talked about this a, a great deal uh, during our Christmas celebration in Isaiah chapter 9, that, that there was a prophetic word about the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, which was a prophecy of the coming Messiah. And so when that star shone bright they knew that it was the the announcement in the cosmos was the birth of this coming king and so they went seeking answers they went seeking they were they were all in see God God had put it in their hearts to begin seeking now please hear me say this none of us not a single one of us ever begin our journey seeking Jesus on our own God first stirs something. That's part of his uh, common grace, part of his great love for us is God stirs in our hearts to seek him. We, we, we wouldn't have enough sense to even begin that uh, without God drawing us to himself. And that's on the heart of God. But when he drew the wise men, they began seeking him, and and they were all in. Now, they didn't have nearly as much information about Jesus as most of us had when we began seeking him. They obviously didn't have access to the Gospels, the New Testament, anything like this. But based on what they had read, it was obvious their thinking was, if this is even remotely true, I want in. I want to be all in if there's just a shred of truth in it. It would be worth giving up everything to find out this was true. And so I imagine they invested significantly to take this journey. We know that they would have risked many dangers just to make the trip from Persia to Israel. And most likely these men, because they were wise, they knew of the reputation of King Herod. His, hair, his reputation was known far and wide. It was known in Rome, even. And he was known as a murderous, paranoid sociopath. So they knew going into Jerusalem with this king there, saying, hey, where's the new king born? That was high risk for them. They were putting a lot on line. But they were ready, ready to just risk it all. They were all in. And, and truthfully... For over 2,000 years now, that has been the testimony of so many followers of Jesus that he's worth following it with everything, with our whole hearts, with our, our, our whole lives. Many have been able to say, come to the end of their days and say, it was worth it. It was worth everything. And I believe the wise men would have told you that at the end of their days, that that moment was worth it. You know, that's a promise that God made in the Old Testament. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. See, the truth about God is any who he would put in their hearts to seek him, who will start seeking him wholeheartedly, will find him. King David when he was giving some counsel to his young son Solomon, who would go on to be known uh, in the scriptures as the the wisest man who lived. I think some of that wisdom came from his daddy. And one of the, the words that King David spoke over his son Solomon, we read about in 1 Chronicles 22, verse 19. David said to Solomon, Now set your heart and your soul to seek the Lord your God. He's saying, let let this be what you're about. Be be all in, Solomon. Interestingly, this is the same counsel that Jesus gave those who were following him. Jesus was teaching on prayer one day. And and in Luke chapter nine, chapter 11, verses nine and 10, we read these words. Jesus says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds and to the one who knocks it will be open so here's kind of the question at the end of that how are you seeking jesus these days in in your life what what are you engaging that is actively seeking jesus now i i know i know most of you here at some level and i know many of you have found jesus but the truth about all of us is no matter how long we've been walking with him, there is so much more that we can know about Jesus. He is unfathomable. And so we all need to be asking all the time, what can I learn more about my Savior? What can I know about him and his purposes and his ways? How can I be more, more all in in my seeking of him? Maybe maybe you're here today because a friend invited you, or maybe maybe you're here today uh, because it's the new year and you thought I'm going to do this church thing. Maybe maybe you came back. Maybe you've been out of church for a while and you you thought you this new year thing you would you would kind of re-engage. I want to say to you, he is still worth everything to be to be all in, to be all in. But here's the interesting thing, he's not hard to find. The wise men discovered this. He, he's not hard to find. God said in Jeremiah 29, he wouldn't be hard to find. He, he, you can find him if you seek him with your whole heart. So my encouragement would be, in this year, keep seeking. Keep knocking. That, that thing that you're wanting open to, you keep knocking. That, that place that, that you're, you're wanting to see life different, keep seeking that. Keep, keep taking that to the Lord. Don't quit. Don't give up. Just, just the way that Jesus promised You can find him in whatever area of your life you're you're looking, that that, that you need to see him. Keep keep engaging. One of the great ways that I would encourage you to keep seeking to engage with Jesus is through the body of Christ. Through connection with other believers. Now, we all know that church can be messy. Relationships in church can be messy. You know why? Because you're here. Because I'm here. And we're just all messy people. But we're messy people who need to see Jesus through one another. Because each of us experience life with him a little bit differently. And we all have something to share with one another. About how we know Jesus and how we came to know Jesus. So I want to encourage you to, if you you haven't, look for deeper, richer connections with other believers this year make make that a matter of your effort to be all in in knowing Jesus second thing that i noticed about the wise men that they were all in all over and it was they were all they were all in and celebrating god's provision they were all in celebrating God's provision. Th- these wise men, they knew what to celebrate. They knew that we should regularly celebrate the provision of God. Look at, look at verses 9 and 10 back in, in Matthew 2. It says, After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen, when it rose, went before them, until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, now not when they saw Jesus yet. But when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are. I've read historians and some scientists who have given, astronomers who have given an account that more than likely, they say, that that um, kind of cosmic star that shone. Uh, would have maybe have been so bright that it would have been able to be seen during the day. That, that happens at times in places. You can see stars during the day. That would have been an extraordinary happening. And God sometimes works in the extraordinary. But I also think that God most often works in the ordinary. And I think that's one of the reasons they got excited about seeing the star. I, don't, I think they had been maybe without it for a few days or something. Um, But I think they had also gotten into a rhythm of it being an ordinary part of their day. That at some point in the evening, that star would appear and they would seek it. And then sun would come out the next day and they might make camp and sleep during the day and get up and go again. And I I personally think that what was going on was every time that star showed up, I think they celebrated. I, I think they just thought God showed up again today. He showed up again today. He's showing us where to go. He's pointing it out. It became an ordinary part of their day. And so when it came back up again this day, they rejoiced. They they celebrated. Question here. How are you, in this season of life, finding joy in the ordinary things? How are you finding joy? Maybe when a, 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 a new day begins. Are, are how do you how do you, how do you enter a day? Are you a "good God is morning" kind of person, or are you a "good morning God" kind of person? Because those are two different people. You know Wh- which which one are you? Do you do you see joy in just that rhythm of, of a new day that you're getting to start with God? The Apostle Paul said something that he, he, he wrote to the Philippians, and Philippians 4 It's recorded there. Really interesting. Verse 4, most of us for, are familiar with, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, a lot of us have that, that verse memorized, but look what follows it. Verse 5 says this, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Friend, part of what I think Paul is saying here is it is unreasonable. If you're a Christ follower, it is unreasonable not to rejoice always. It's just not reasonable. See, when we come to understand that because of what Jesus, what we've been given in him, when we trusted him, when we surrendered to his lordship, you were given his spirit that lives in you if you've trusted Christ, Uh, that was a seal for eternity. You have been so blessed. That's a reason to rejoice. If you're you're in Christ, then Christ is in you. And the most reasonable thing that we can do is is rejoice, is to to live with joy in the ordinary events of, of every day, because we can rejoice that our sins are forgiven, we, we can rejoice that our shame has been covered by the blood of Christ. We can rejoice that we've passed, as the Scriptures say, from death to life. We can rejoice that you know, we, we have eternal life, that we will never, if you're in Christ, you'll never taste death, is what the Scriptures say. We can rejoice that nothing will ever separate us from the love of God that's in Jesus. And friends, that's the ordinary Christian life. Now, it is extraordinary... I'll grant you that, but that's just the ordinary Christian life. Are, are you like the wise men who were able to celebrate the ordinary day of and the ordinary provision of God in an ordinary day? Whether the sun comes up or it rains all day. You know? One of the things that I have discovered about my own life is this. Every, every blessing, every ordinary blessing that I don't turn back into praise in my life has had the potential to become pride. If I don't bless the Lord for it, there are times that what I'll do is I'll start taking credit for it. And it it moves from praise to pride. And that I would just encourage you to praise God in the ordinary of the day. Rejoice just at your ordinary Christian life. Because if you are able to begin doing that. Then you will be able, kind of at the next level, to start rejoicing even in sorrow. Not because of sorrow, but in it. You'll be able to rejoice even as we press on through this pandemic. We'll still have joy in the Lord that he's with us. That's not unreasonable. Have you ever had an encounter with someone who you knew after the encounter had a really deep devotion to the Lord. And you found out they were battling a chronic illness, something like cancer that they were dealing with. And they may have been given a, uh, a time frame on when this would take them. And yet, they were just still filled with joy. They were filled with joy, you know, in the Lord. Uh, they were filled with joy in, in their problem. Not because they had a problem, but because they had Jesus in the midst of it. And they had learned to celebrate the provision of God in the ordinary. So that when things got really bad, they were still able to rejoice. Friends, that's the power of the gospel of Jesus. That's the power of the good news that we have in Christ. David knew something of that power. In Psalm chapter 5 verse 11 David said, let all who run to you for protection, always sing joyful songs and let them rejoice. If there was anybody that when we, you kind of study the life of David, almost every season of David's life, he was having to run back to God for protection. He was having to run back to God for protection. And he's the one who has has given us these words that let everyone when we run to God for protection, when we run to God for his provision, let us sing with joy. Let us re- rejoice. He had learned that. See, the wise men celebrated God's provision even in the ordinary. Their rejoicing was reasonable. It is reasonable to rejoice in the Lord no matter what we are facing. Celebrate. What the work that the Lord has done. The wise men also went all in in another way. And that was in their worship of Jesus. They were all in worshiping Jesus. That's just what they did. Look at verse 11. It says, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. I want you to notice the order here. There's a structure here about what what going all in in worship of Jesus looks like. There's much we can learn, and it, it, it's a great example that the wise men give us. You know, one of the things that often gets talked about in Christian circles are our responsibilities, you know, as Christians, that we need to go this and do this and should that, and Granted, there, we do have responsibilities. We have a relationship, and every relationship has some responsibilities with it. But it's mostly about the relationship. And we forget that. It, the relationship has to be first, above the responsibilities even. And so the wise men see this. They know this. This is how they come to God in worship. They worship first in relationship, and they, they give their hearts. They, they, give, they give themselves. They, the Bible says they fall down in an act of humiliation, in an act of, of submission. They pour themselves out. It's just a, a response in worship. They worshiped him. Jesus said this is what worship looks like. In, in John chapter 4, verse 24, Jesus said, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. See, worshiping God in truth, worshiping God truly, if you would, holds nothing back. They, they were all in in their worship. You know, they were, they were on a road to full surrender, but it, it began for them by giving their, their hearts first to God. They were holding nothing back. They, 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 they weren't concerned with how it might look to somebody. And, and it wasn't just doing something with their body. There's not like a, the official worship position. You know, and so you come into the building and you, you kind of march in and, you know, Kyler says, let's worship, and we all assume the official worship position. There's not one. It, it may involve sometimes you being on your face before the Lord. It may be that you raise your hands and worship. It may be that you just bow your heads and you're very earnest in a quiet place with the Lord. That may be how God calls you to worship, but here's what they all have in common. It's supernatural. There's something going on deep in your spirit. That that was happening to to these men when they they worshiped. Now something else I want to remind you about. Do do you remember, um, it's not going to come up on the screen. If you want to look in your scriptures, you can. Back in verse 8, Herod claimed to be a worshiper. You remember that? Remember Herod told them, he said, now when you find him and you're worshiping him, come back and tell me because I want to go worship him too. Friends, Herod was not a true worshiper of anybody but himself. He, 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 was not, he was a poser is what he was. He was a worship pretender. And I've encountered over my years in ministry worship pretenders. And mostly what they're worshiping is, is self because they hold most everything back. ...from the Lord. They're, they're, not, they're not pouring out. They're afraid of what someone might think or what someone might say. They're looking around to see what others might be doing. See, wise men just kind of fell. They, they, they didn't care. They, and, and this was not so much a body position, again, as it was a position of their hearts. They let go of pride. They let pride fall off. And they just said, I'm all in. Somebody might think I'm weird, but I'm, I'm holding nothing back. And they opened their hearts to Jesus in worship... But that always leads to the next level of worship. It always does. When you give yourself all in at that level, give your heart to him, then the rest of your life starts following in worship. And I want you to notice what the scripture says happened next. It says, then opening their treasures. That's what it says in verse 11. Then after they've given their heart, they've given themselves, they've fallen down in in worship, then kind of the rest of their life comes Along with it. It just will happen naturally when you're all in worship. You'll start opening your treasures to the Lord. The things you treasure most. This is what the wise men were doing. And Jesus, when he would grow and, 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 and wasn't this child anymore, when he started his ministry and began teaching about what life like this would look like, Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart would be also. See, the the kind of response to true worship, worshiping in spirit and in truth, will always be that you open your life's treasures to the Lord. Not just your heart, but but everything else. If you go all the way back to Genesis, in in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 28, you can read about a man named Jacob. Um, There was Abraham who begot Isaac, who begot Jacob. And Jacob, uh, in his young adulthood, was known as a trickster, as a deceiver, actually. That was kind of even, his name was tied to that. Eventually, the Lord would change his name to Israel, uh, from which the nation is birthed. But that's who he was. But in Genesis chapter 28, he has this incredible encounter with God. It's an incredible moment for Jacob of worship, this encounter that he had uh, that, that that he has with God, and we get to the end of, of that chapter, and this is what this is what Jacob declares in this place where he has had this encounter with God. He says, "And this memorial pillar, he sets up a pillar. He says it shall become a place for worship. And then he makes this commitment to God: God, I will give you back a tenth of everything you give me." Friends, this was a life transforming moment. This was a, a defining moment in the life of this man, Jacob. He went on to become one of the patriarchs of the people of Israel through which the Son of God w- w- would come. And again, it was just this moment of great worship. We see this happen to, to King David. King David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. God had given him permission to do that in 1 Chronicles sixteen twenty nine. We read these words, David says, give to the Lord the glory he deserves. Bring your offering and come into his presence. Worship the Lord in his holy splendor. Friends, this opening of our treasures and giving to the Lord is an act of worship in which we all need to engage if we're going to be all in. Now, I want to encourage you, you know, we don't um, pass the plates anymore. We don't do that. There are other ways to give, and I want to encourage you in 2022 uh, to to engage in the the habit of giving or maybe increase in in that that engagement, that that part of of worship. You can do that, and I would encourage you to do it. This is just me. I would encourage you to do it as you come into worship. We have these giving kiosks that you can give in. Um, You can bring your tithes and offerings and just drop them in those kiosks as you come into worship. If you forget, then you can do it on the way out. There's also giving online, and maybe some of you who are joining us online, that, that's the way that, that you'll want to, to give to the Lord, to the, to the work of the Lord. But giving of your treasures is so, so important. And our treasures, and I want you to think about it this way, you know, uh, Jacob made this statement that he would give a tenth of all. That's, that's uh, 10% is like the baby step of giving. It's the starting point the scriptures talk about uh, for giving. And it's not just your finances. It's 10% out of the treasury of your time. It's 10% out of the treasury of your talents. And yes, it's 10% out of the treasury of your finances. But God wants, God wants access to all that. And once you begin that baby step of giving to the Lord, that, that act of worship, you'll discover something even more beautiful. And that is that all that you have, all that you are, belongs to the Lord. And you will enter a new level of worship. It'll be something even more to celebrate when you realize it's all his anyway, and he lets you steward some of his. He lets you have access to some of his. He just says a tenth of it's holy. Here's a baby step. Give 10% at least of all that you have and all that you are back to the Lord. These wise men, they knew how to worship, and they worshiped first by giving themselves and then opening their treasures and giving those as gifts to the Lord. Then we see they went all in and trusting God's revelation. They were all in and trusting God's revelation. They didn't dawdle once God spoke to them. Look at this in verse 12. It says, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, remember, these were men who had not been raised in the Jewish faith. They were not used to this Yahweh God speaking to them uh, maybe in a dream. That that wasn't something that they were familiar with personally, those kinds of encounters. They they were what some might have called in that day pagan Gentiles. Remember, there were no Christians in the world really um, in, in this time. But they heard from God. God revealed himself to them. God revealed his purposes and his ways to them. And they were tuned in to listen to God. They were all in wanting to hear the voice of God. I imagine maybe they had had some conversation with Mary and those things that we read about in Luke 2 that she treasured in her heart. Maybe she shared some of those stories with them. And so they were primed to listen to the voice of God. You know, they didn't have access to the Gospels like we did, but they were, they were in tune to the supernatural movement of God speaking to their souls because they had positioned themselves. They had positioned their hearts to respond. They were, remember, they were seeking him all in. They had started worshiping him all in. And so now they're responding in obedience to the voice of God all in. Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, verse 28, those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. These men were blessed. They they heard a word from the Lord. They heard the revelation of God speaking to them of what they needed to do next to be a part of the great story of God. And I want to take just a minute, I want to read through some Old Testament passages and some New Testament passages about God revealing himself to us about what that looks like for God to speak to our hearts. Um, in Psalm chapter 119, verse 1, we read this. Blessed are they who walk according to the law of God. Those are, when, we, when we experience the law of God, the written word of God, and we walk according to it, when we realize that's the revelation of God for our souls and we walk according to it, the Bible says we'll be Blessed. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice. Are you positioning your life to hear the voice of God when you pray? Are you spending time with him so you start to recognize the voice of God? Do you hear his voice speaking to you when you read from his word? Do you experience the voice of God? Over in the New Testament... The book, the book of Hebrews has an awful lot to say about how God reveals himself. In fact, the book of Hebrews opens up this way. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 1 says this, Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now, in these final days, he has spoken to us through his Son, The sun radiates God's glory and expresses the very character of God. Friends, what that's saying is the greatest, the greatest, the greatest revelation of God, of who God really is, is Jesus. When you you see Jesus, you've seen God the Father, Jesus told his followers. You've seen the Father, he's the greatest revelation. His life, his teachings, his death, burial, resurrection, his ascension, his promise that we sang about earlier that he's coming back. All of those things that we, we believe, those are, are essential. Just, just essential to what it means to receive the revealed word uh, of God. And we do that through the word of God. And so we, we have to position our lives. Let's keep reading Hebrews uh, chapter 2 now, verse 1. It says, so we must listen very carefully to the truth we've heard, or we may drift away from it. For the message God delivered through the angels has always stood firm. Think about the message that God delivered through the angels. He delivered it to Mary. That has stood firm. That was the message of the gospel. He delivered it to Joseph. It's the message of the gospel that the Savior of the world would be the son that he would raise. He delivered it to the angels in the field. And he delivered it to the wise men through a dream. He has delivered that and it has stood firm. The gospel message stands, stands firm. And God, God, he desires to reveal himself to us, to me, to you, in, in, in this day. Look at what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 says. That is why the Holy Spirit says today when you hear his voice, any day when you hear the voice of God, do not harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Now, the wise men, had they not been all in, when, when that, that dream came and that, that revelation from God came, don't go back to hear it, go home, do it another way, they could have thought, well, that kind of messes with my plans. You know, that, that's, that's not what, what I want to do. Instead, they position themselves to receive God's revelation. Are you doing that? Do you have a, a reading plan for engaging the written revelation of God? See, God has revealed himself through his son, but he also does that in his word. Do you have a plan to experience God on a daily basis so that you experience the revelation of God for your life? God speaking to you through his word. God speaking to you through prayer, beginning to hear the voice of God. Are you arranging your life so that you can be all in for the great revelation of God? Because if you don't, then you won't be able to do the next thing that the wise men were all in with. And that was they were all in surrendering and serving. They were all in surrendering and serving. Look at Matthew 2, verse 12. It says, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. See, when God reveals himself to you, you have this choice on, when, when he reveals his purposes and his plans himself to you, you have a choice now. Again, whether you will, whether you'll be all in. The wise men were all in in their surrender and, and their serving of God's purposes now because they totally changed their plans. Do you remember what their plan was when they showed up to meet Jesus for the first time? Their plan was to go back to Herod, to go back to the palace. They had an invitation from the king. Hey, when you're done there, come on back and tell your story It'll be great. Man, we'll celebrate. I'll eventually go worship. It'll be a beautiful thing. We'll have all the media outlets will be here. You'll you'll be, you know, everybody will know you. It'll be a great celebration. You'll be hanging out with the top 1% of the cream of the crop of Jerusalem. Everybody will start following your Twitter and your Facebook and your Snapchat and all those kinds of things. It'll be marvelous. Your life will be large. You'll be in charge. It'll be beautiful. And God said, don't go back there. Don't do that. Are there places that you've been kind of moving towards? And God said, don't go there. Stop that. Pull back from that. I have a better purpose, a better plan. The question is, will you be all in? Will you surrender your plans no matter how big and bright and beautiful they might be? Will you surrender them to seek the Lord's purposes and plans? Will you surrender to serve His purposes and plans more, more than your own? And if you do, it may cost you even more than that. See, the moment, the moment they left that house where that child was, they became fugitives in Israel. The king had given them a command. You come back and do this. And remember, this was sociopath do, king, okay? The moment that they went and left and did not come back and Herod realized it, their lives were marked. They would have probably been killed on the spot or brought back and tortured. And they knew this. They knew what they were up against. And they went by a different, they didn't get to travel the interstate they had to go to all those you know, back dirt roads with the potholes in them. It wasn't going to be easy. But they had heard God speak to them. And they were all in, surrendered. And they were going to serve the purposes of God in their day, even if it cost them everything. They were willing to do that. I want to read to you Jesus' statement from the Amplified translation of Luke chapter 9. Jesus says this. If any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget, lose sight of himself and his own interest, refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me, cleave steadfastly to me, conform wholly to my example in living and if need be, in dying also. You know, the wise men were the first Gentiles to encounter Jesus, and they surrendered everything to serve the purposes of God. And friends, truthfully, if the Son of God was really born in a manger, and you really believe that, and if you're truly gonna follow Jesus, then we have to be willing to surrender everything. We have to surrender all of our, our rights. All of those must fall under the service of the purposes of, of the Lord God Almighty. We must surrender everything. But the question today is what are you holding back? What is it? What is it that the Lord has called you to already? What has He revealed to you? about his purposes and his plans, about himself? And what are you holding back? Because he wants you to turn that over to him today so that you can be all in in 2022 in a new way and experience more of how all in Jesus is for you. I want us to take just a few moments this morning, do something just a little bit different. I want us to pray, but I want us to... Do it in a moment of silence. And I want you to listen. I want you to just listen to and seek the voice of God in your hearing. Let's just take a moment and pray. Father, we're coming right now. Holy Spirit, we're coming right now. And we want to hear you speak into our hearts. What are we holding back? What do we need to release? What do we need to surrender so that we might serve you. What's keeping us from being all in? Speak to us, Lord. Lord, you're the king of the entire universe. Lord Jesus, that's who you are. You're the king of kings and Lord of lords. And so we come now desiring to be all in for you. And So like the wise men, we wanna make you first and foremost king of our hearts. Because we know that's the starting place. And so whatever part of our heart we have withheld, we bring back to you now. Be the king of our hearts now, Lord. We want to surrender our purposes and plans to yours. Come and be king in us in these moments. It's in your name we pray.